0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: warning the following program contains shocking content that may give you a better or worse than pessimistic hope On anything you like, especially when it comes to your love of sports, entertainment, and even your own morning culinary experiences. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. You got two great defensive players. You got an offensive guy who's going off, and you're going to put a guy that has nothing on his defensive resume. That's the guy you're going to put on Luka, not the other two. You call these bagels? It's Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Welcome to Bagels and Bad Beats. With yours truly, Scott Metzel on this Tuesday, August 25th. Here's truly sending you for the next two glorious hours. Taking your phone calls as we always do. 844-843-6879. get toll free, 844-843-6879. You want to follow me on Twitter, send a tweet. It is at @opposite, Picks. That's O-P-P-O-S-I-T-E. Picks, B I C K S. Email me. Go to my website, OppositePicks.com. Hit the contact, Scott icon, and fire away emails, tweets, phone calls, little YouTube chat over the next two hours. Right here again on the Biggles and Bad Beats on a Tuesday, August 25th. Brown out in Philadelphia, five times the charm, the have-nots. Uh, for the players' sake, okay, Nicky. Uh, I'll drink to that. Springing into action in the Big Ten, my bad. Name that road and passing on roids. Number two for Albert, or is he? We'll get to all those stories, plus your phone calls, emails, tweets, Again, so get a little YouTube chat as well. Bagels and bad beats on a Tuesday, uh, August 25th. Well, another day, deja vu, as Yogi would say all over again. The other day, I uh, prepped myself to watch the Lakers and Portland Jailblazers game two after Portland won game one. Defensive struggle game one, but still entertaining because the Lakers lost. I was all pumped up, cleared my slate. Did everything I needed to do in the afternoon to prepare to be able to just watch the basketball game. A little computer work, but no big deal. Same thing yesterday. Monday's a little crazy for me the morning show, then the podcast, then in game live uh, last night, which is always a lot of fun with Kev. But I did all my work, all prepped for a Laker Portland game. Got to be a much better game than game two, much better game than game three. You know, basically life on the line for Portland. They're going to come out monstrous, play a good game down the stretch, stay up late. And what do we get? An absolute dog. Just an absolute dog. Like we'll talk about it next week. We got to be on a Monday, or Tuesday, Wednesday. Thank you very much.
2: One. Best scoring game in game three with 38. And he drops another three ball. And the Lakers just keep it rolling. Pace, the ball movement, and LeBron doing his thing. And look at J.R. Smith with a steal up ahead. LeBron James. He'll take it all the way. LeBron James with the reverse. Wow. Uh, He's he just, he just playing. Around. The eight-seeded Blazers right now as we approach the one-minute mark of this first half. LeBron James going to the record books for this one. After a dominating first half performance, Anthony Davis. No, LeBron rips down the offensive board and scores another two. I asked Juwan, what is it about when LeBron goes dark? Is it really like for him, even though he is on the NBA campus? Well, as LeBron takes a deep three. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I just like to say this to put a button on it. Well, when you got a lead like this, you walk right into a 36 footer, LeBron James.
1: TNT with the call last night. Bagels and Bad Beats on this Tuesday morning, 844 843 6879. Yet it was an embarrassment. It, it really, as I mentioned before the break, just an absolute joke. You know, it's one thing to lose. It's one thing to even get blown out by 20. You know, I'll accept that. I don't like that. It doesn't make much sense to me in a playoff game because the Lakers aren't a 20 point team better than the, the uh, Blazers. But Portland just comes out as flat as flat can be. They're, they're down 15 0. You know, four minutes into the game. I mean, 15-0, game over from the outset. How is that possible? How is it down two games to one, losing two in a row, you come out so bad, so flat, so uninspired that the game is literally over in the first four minutes of the contest. First four minutes, that was it. (coughs) It was 43-25 after one. They were down 18 they were down 29 at the half. 20. They gave up 80 points, 80 to 51 at the half, and things didn't get any better in the second half. It was basically a 20-point lead throughout the entire second half. Never made a run. Just, a, just an absolute farce. Again, you want to lose, trail three games to one. I get it. They're the best team in the NBA, theoretically, or at least in the Western Conference, number one seed. You're the number eight. You barely got in. You barely beat the Brooklyn Nets playing for nothing to get into the number eight spot, the final game of the bubble season. And I, I understand all that stuff, but to fall behind 15-0 game over after playing as bad as they did in game two and losing game three, I, I just, I, I don't understand that how it's possible. I just, uh, I don't get it. You know, Lakers open up on a 10-4 run, you know, 15-6 runs, something along those lines. Okay, that's the ebb and flows of the game. But 15 to nothing, game over. Never make a run. You want to know how bad it was for the Jailblazers? Take a look at their plus-minus rating. And generally, that's a a hockey stat, but I I do like it a lot in the NBA. And that just means, for those of the uninformed, uh, when you were on the court, your team was either outscored or outscored the opponent by this amount of money. And for the Jailblazers last night, Carmelo Anthony, minus 27. I'll give you the starters. Juerkic, minus 28. Lillard, minus 25. McCullum, minus 25. Whiteside who only played 17 minutes, minus 15. I mean, the whole Gary Trent Jr. coming off the bench, 34 minutes, minus 15. 25, 25, 28, 27, 15 for the Portland Starters. I mean, it was just a train wreck from start to finish. Lillard ended up playing 27 minutes with 11 points. He left with a knee injury. He's going to have an MRI. He might be done for the series, down three games to one. I wouldn't doubt that for a second. Remember, he was the one that was crying at the beginning, didn't really want to be here unless they were playing for a championship, blah, 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 blah. So chances are he's done for this uh, playoff run. AD uh, had 18 points before he left with a knee injury, but he's supposed to be okay. It was just a precautionary thing. You know, he left when they were up by 30 points, basically. Uh, LeBron did not get a triple-double last night, but he did have a double-double, 30 points, 10 assists, only six rebounds. And uh, it, it went from there. Uh, Green, Danny Green had 14 points. Uh, Colwell Pope had 12. And uh, Kuzma off the bench went with 18. But it, it was, it was you know, the typical uh, quintessential LeBron and AD show. And you know, the one or the third little person I suppose you could throw in there is, is Kuzma. I mean, that, that's the M.O. That, that's what the Lakers are. Uh, they played it to a T last night and start to finish. Just an absolute embarrassment. Just an absolute embarrassment. Lakers shot 56% from the floor. You know, Portland wasn't guarding anybody. Portland shot only 20%. You know, hoisted up 28 threes, you know, hit 43% of them, which isn't too bad, 12 of 28, but you know, like I said, most of that was just absolute garbage time. And not that I was expecting Portland to even make a run. It was it wasn't even that. It was the rarity of rarities that just from just like game 2, just absolute start to finish. You don't see that very often, believe it or not. You, you've seen teams fall behind 15-0, 20-2, uh, but still make runs. This was as dead as dead can be. So Lakers take a commanding 3-1 series lead. passes for AD, not AD, um, but again, it should be okay. Lure with the name. Um, it, you know, Lakers take a 3-1 series lead, and and uh, the season is over for Portland. It, it, it might as well just. Uh, the Lakers were seven seven and a half point favorites last night. They covered obviously easily. I bet they're close to a double-digit favorite. They'll probably see if Lillard can play. But even if Lillard can play, knowing they're down 3-1, knowing they've lost three in a row, two of them by blowouts, I'm I'm guessing the Lakers will be about a 10-point favorite. And and you know what? I would not put – after watching Portland play last night, I would not put any American money. None of my shekels are going on the jailblazers, I'll tell you that. Just a complete, utter – Embarrassment. No sense being there. This, this is why you don't have 8-1 matchups, right? For all the NBA yopes out there that are going to yell and scream about how there should be a number nine seed and the 8-9 play-in was so much fun and having, you know, teams that are 10 games under 500 to Sacramento Queens and this Phoenix Suns all battling for that number nine spot. This way we could have this little nice little 8-9 play-in game. Well, this is ultimately the result. You know, yeah, it's nice to have an 8-9 scenario where the 9 team has to beat the 8 team twice. It's cute. It's a little different. It's a little intriguing. But ultimately, it's still an 8-9 player going against the number one team. And the number one team just kicking the number 8-9 team's ass. And it's as simple as that. There's just no need for this. There isn't. You know, the, the rarity of a number 8 team knocking off a number 1 team four times out of seven It's only happened a handful of times. It is just not worth it. And to think the NBA is seriously considering adding not only just the 8-9 as a regular matchup, but there's also talk about adding a number 10 team as well, the 10th seed out of the uh, clubs to make the postseason. There's just no need. You know, if you want to have an 8-9, is that what you want to do? You want to sell us 10 games under 500 Sacramento, 10 games under 500 San Antonio or Phoenix? Is that what you're trying to sell us right now? because it's an absolute joke when you get into these real first rounds there's just no need for it. Portland's not going to beat the Lakers. You know, Orlando, even after they won game one, they weren't beating the Milwaukee Bucks four straight or a four out of seven. It wasn't happening. It's a waste of time. So hopefully, I doubt it, but hopefully the NBA will look at this and say, yeah, you know what? We really don't need it. Uh, maybe it'll make some extra money. You know, maybe TNT, four letter network will pay us some more bucks. Maybe ABC will hop on board and Ultimately, as we all know, that, that's the bottom line. If they're willing to pay, we're willing to play. Uh, but there's just no need for this stuff. There is this postseason. post-season hockey, yes, you have, have, have upsets all the time. But NBA postseason could be literally cut in almost half. They, they really could. There's no need for best of seven. It should be best of five first round. And there's certainly no need for a number 18 to be in the postseason. Or a number 17, for that matter. In a, in a perfect Scott Wetzel, Mr. Vegas world, top 16s would get in. Top two would get buys, they would get the survivors of three versus six, four versus five, and you go from there. And maybe those games are, those series are best of seven, but even if you wanted to go best of five, ultimately there really is not a need. I think the sense of urgency of a best of five would be better than a best of seven where teams know they can blow games off. And and last night was just an absolute joke. Just, just, Just a joke. Uh, Miami beat Indiana last night as well, 99-87. Pacers, 15 to lose in the first round, five straight years. They're cooked. Miami sweeps that series. Boy, you talk about all the sweeps. Uh, how crazy is it? You know, Brooklyn ends up getting swept. Indiana ends up getting swept. 76ers end up getting swept. If I told you before the postseason began that three out of the four Eastern Conference first-round matchups would be sweeps, I don't think too many would predict that it would be Orlando beating Milwaukee as the one series that was not a sweep. Uh, Milwaukee uh, winning last night, or yesterday afternoon, actually, 121-106. They take a 3-1 series lead, so that series is all but over. I mean, just absolutely no drama whatsoever. The antithesis of the end of the NHL postseason is the NBA playoffs. NHL, drama galore, storylines galore, everything else. NBA, just absolute chalk, 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 chalk. Talk about it next. Phone lines open, 844
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Try my disgusting bagel. Now, back to bagels and bad beats with Scott Wetzel. Now we're
2: over to a ball to center and a ground ball to first. Albert pulls this one in the left field. And there it is. He passes Alex Rodriguez with that single. A little bit of a bobble there by Tucker. Rendell will take third. Grats now on and Albert. Second all time now by himself.
1: L.A. Angels Radio Network with the call. Bagels and Bad Beats on this Tuesday morning, 844-843-6879. We'll hit the phones here in a sec. You know, we have a, a lot of sayings here on Bagels and Bad Beats. You know, L.L.'s, loyal listeners, uh, M.M.'s, mental you-know-whats. Uh, and one of the others is, uh, you know, the winners bet wit streaks, losers bet against streaks for the gamblers out there. Uh, one of the more popular ones I believe in is uh, don't let facts get in the way of a good little rant. Right. You know, sometimes you get on these rants and you miss uh, say this or that or or whatever the case may be. Uh, but it's a funny little saying. So that's the case here. We good old Albert Pujols, which uh, who last night <clears throat> passed uh, Alex Rodriguez for number two on the all time RBI list. Uh, what's the problem, Scott? Well, did he, though, or didn't he? Because technically he didn't. Um, officially he did, but did he really? I don't know. What's the problem, Scott? Well, apparently there's been some uh, confusion over the years. See, they only started keeping RBIs as official stats in 1920. So there were a couple of years before that, that Babe Ruth, who he passed, uh, or Albert Pujols, and and then Babe Ruth, uh, who he passed. Uh, doesn't necessarily have you know that many RBIs or should have more or should have this or should have that. So, Albert Poolholz, uh, you know, although he did pass Alex Rodriguez last night, but next up on the list is Babe Ruth and then Hank Aaron. And I'm just you know, curious, you know, if, if they didn't start doing stats until 1920 then how is it possible that we could say categorically without a shadow of a doubt that he has really that many RBIs and he's number three on the all-time list? Uh, Even Cap Anson, when you start thinking about it, if they don't know Babe Ruth's numbers and he has 2,214 and that's, uh, you know, with everything combined – Um, then how do we know Cap Anson, who played in the 1870s? I mean, if we don't have RBIs from 50 years late, I mean, think about that. You can throw these numbers out there like, okay, I get it. But if you don't have really official numbers from the 1920s because the record-keeping wasn't exactly great, then how do we have something official from from 1870, literally 50 years earlier? Cap Anson, who's number four on the list, uh, played in 1871 through 1897. Uh, I mean, think about it. it's 150 years ago. That this guy played that we're supposed to believe in his numbers being official. So it's very, very weird. Um, I don't just I, I just don't believe in all this stuff. I, I don't know how they could have kept those records as well. To tell you the truth, and you know, some keep records that Babe Ruth supposedly has 2014. Others keep record to say he has 2013. You know, if we don't know his RBI total, by the way, then how do we know his home run total? Maybe Babe Ruth really doesn't have 714 home runs. I grew up on 714, one of the most prominent numbers in the history of sports. Everybody knew 714, right? More people now know 714 still with Babe Ruth than they know 755 with Hank Aaron, who's got 755. And forget about uh, Barry Bonds, the all-time with I don't even know how much he... I know he has number. He beat Aaron... So, I, what is he, 7, you know, if, if you put a gun to my head, I would say seventy-six, 760-some, uh, something like that. But 714 was just, like, absolute positive automatic. So, for those who don't include, you know, that's the other thing. Some people include postseason RBIs. Others don't. Cool is not number two on the all-time list if you include RBIs. Uh, Babe Ruth would be, which hence is our argument. So, is he really number two? He's not necessarily number two if you include postseason RBIs. He's not necessarily number two if you throw in the scrutiny over the RBI total not being counted until 1920. I mean, who who knows? Who knows? So, if you want to go overall, okay, supposedly he's number two. But in reality, again, don't let facts get in the way of a good little rant because maybe he's not. Maybe Cap Hansen is. Maybe Babe Ruth still is. And if you want to include the postseason stuff, then he certainly is not. Question is Does Albert Pujols continue on to pass Hank Aaron to be number one? Is Albert Pujols? I will tell you this. He's the greatest right-handed hitter outside of Manny Ramirez I've ever seen. That I will tell you. He's, you know, if you want to throw out the steroid accusations that were hovering around him in his heyday, the numbers this dude put up are just astronomical. He's the guy I point to when people, you know, want to throw overrated Mike Trout down your throat about how great Trout is and this and that. He's the phenomenal. He's that, you know, forget about it. You take out Trout's best years, best years and they pale in comparison to Albert Pujols' average years. He is to me the best hitter right-handed that I've ever seen outside of my guy Manny Ramirez. Uh, by far. Look listen to the numbers that this Trout has not even come close. Not even close to these numbers. You look at the Pujols monster years and these are not just monster one-time boogeyman years. These are consistent years for Pujols. Start when he was 23. Third year in, right, even his first year in at 21, he hit 37, 130, and 329. Two years later, 43, 124, 359. Following year, 46, 123, 331. Following year, 41, 117, 330. 49, 137, 331. Uh, 47, 135, 327. 42, 118, 312. I mean, these years are just. He had a 10 year stretch like nobody else. Nobody else. From uh, And again, I'll include even his rookie year. From his y- rookie year in 2001, when he went 37 homers, 130 RBIs, and, and uh, 130 RBIs, and, and a 329 batting average. One, two, three, four, five, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 10 straight seasons of a 312 or higher batting average. In those 10 straight seasons, The lowest amount of home runs he hit was 32. And the lowest amount of RBIs uh, that same year, he had only 103 RBIs. So 10 straight years of 32 homers, which is damn near the most Mike Trout's ever hit. 10 straight years of 103 RBIs, which is damn close to the most amount Mike Trout ever had. And a 312 or higher batting average, which again is right around the peak of what Mike uh, Trout has ever had. So the lowest point of Albert Pujols' ten-year span is basically the same as the highest point as Mike Trout. Not even close; these two not even in the same conversation. When you talk about greatness and the ability to hit the baseball defensively, different story. Trout's probably a little bit better. I'll grant you that, but as far as being a feared hitter not even in the same ballpark, not even close. That's how good Poulos was. And sadly, in a lot of ways, he's going to end up with a lifetime batting average of under 300, 299, but only because of these years with the LA Angels. He's down to 208 this year, 244 last year, 245 the year before, 241 the year before. It's been a while since he's had monster seasons. His best year probably with the Angels came about five years ago. When he popped uh, 40 home runs and uh, 95 RBIs, 244 batting average, or maybe the year after that, 31 home runs, 119, and 268. But he's been nowhere near the ball player with the Angels as he was with the St. Louis Cardinals. But it is what it is. His contract was ridiculous, that moronic contract that the Angels gave him to bring him there. But it's too bad, like I said, because he's a, he realistically he's a lifetime 315, 325, 330 hitter. I mean, you just look at 329, 314, uh, 359, 331, 330, 331, 327, 357, seven, three twenty six. I mean, just up and down the line. I mean, it's phenomenal. But like I said, I, I love Manny. I love Roy to side, but uh, Pujols was the best. Just absolutely the best player in our generation. Um, it's not Alex Rodriguez. It's not Ken Griffey Jr. It's certainly not Barry Bonds. It's not, uh, you know, anyone that's playing it's Mike Trout, it's not, it, it was Albert Pools. The guy was phenomenal. Now, again, accusations about roids. Um, <clears throat> would it surprise me if we found out he was on roids somewhere along the line? No. Um, but you know what? I mean, you just can't accuse everyone without having any real kind of, you know, knowledge and proof. You can throw accusations out there, but that's not fair. You know, it, it, he had tests and went testing. Whether it was good testing back then or not, he underwent it and didn't fail any tests. So it is what it is. You can believe what you can believe. But the bottom line is this guy was just phenomenal. Just, just absolutely. How many years of, of uh, 100 RBIs got? 1, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. 14. 14. What does Trout have? Two? One or two? I mean, not even close. Not just, this is what upsets me. This is why I say about Mike Trout being overrated. Not even in the same category as a guy like Pujols. So he's officially number two on the all-time RBI list. But again, you make the call. Don't let facts get in the way of a of a good little rant. Uh, obviously, first ballot Hall of Famer. And then the question really is: Would he continue to play? I mean, he's not having a good year. You know, would he want to go out at this season, 2020? He does have one more year left on his contract realistically, if he continued on the pace he's playing RBI wise, he did have 93 last season. You know, it wasn't a horrible year last year, Uh, 22 homers, uh, 23 home runs, 244, but he had 64 the year before that, you know, if if he can get uh, another, you know, 15, maybe 20 this year, he's still about 200 shy of the all time Hank Aaron list. So I doubt very much he'd be able to become number one. He'd have to hold on for a long, long time, and it doesn't look like he's got that much in his tank. So um, you think about who's going to retire within the next year. You know, maybe Tom Brady, maybe Drew Brees, maybe Albert Pujols. I mean, you're talking about the all-time, all-time greats of the game, you know, leaving us within the next year, maybe two. Bagels and Bad Beats phone calls coming up next. 844-843-6879 on a Tuesday morning. It's got
2: Steal on the outlet. Gildas Alexander double. Cycle to Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder now going to use a little clock. Going to work on Jeff Green. Schroeder spinning, driving, flipping. Good!
1: TNT with the call last night. Bagels and bad beats on a Tuesday morning, 844-843-6879. Follow me on Twitter. Send a tweet at Opposite picks. Email me. Go to the website, OppositePicks.com. Hit the contact Scott icon and fire away. Just sent out a, uh, a text. Uh, check that a, a Twitter question. Best right-handed hitter you've seen play. I did include Mike Trout just because of you bozos out there that think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. So I put Hank Aaron. Albert Pujols, Trout, and then the proverbial Other. So we'll see. We'll uh, update that the, throughout the program. All right. The, to the phones, we will go. Five, uh, 844-843-6879, 41 past the hour. Uh, Johnny in Manhattan, who joins us every morning, which is a beautiful thing to kick us off. John, welcome to uh, Bagels and Bad Beats on this Tuesday, August 25th.
3: Thank you for the warm welcome, Scott. Good morning. How's it going?
1: Not bad, not bad. A little tired today, but then that's uh, life in the fast lane. Again, stayed up last night to watch the game and gave, like, like I did the other day, gave it about three quarters and then just waved the white flag thinking, all right, the, the miracle comeback is not occurring. Um, and then uh, so a little little less sleep uh, today, the last night uh, than nu- nu- usual, but uh, that's okay. A part of uh, being a sports fan.
3: It's not the first time you've waved the white flag in the uh, Wetzel household, huh, Scott?
1: No, no, definitely not. Uh, whether it's with kids fighting, whether it's with wife fighting, whether it's with neighbors fighting, whether it's just life in general kicking my butt. Yeah, no, it's, uh, the white flag has uh, had a lot of use over the last uh, several years, that's for sure.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I want to talk about domestic unrest, but I'm more interested in the Wetzel unrest than I am in the, across the country, Scott. Tell us what's going on with the little lady
1: nothing's going. On. It's the same old same old stuff. Uh, you know it, it's got to come natural. I can't force it. Uh, you know, we've gotten along, I suppose, the last couple of weeks with my poison Ivy. she's been a little sympathetic. It's been more of the daughter stuff, as you know, with the podcast that that's been my concern with. Uh, you know, just trying to get my daughter situated. I did find a little thing I I mentioned in the podcast. My daughter, uh, as the the listeners probably know, hopefully know, have been listening, uh, went away to college, and she's living in a co-ed dorm as a freshman, which is just mind-bogglingly crazy to me. So, But there's this little door stopper that's like basically a a lock that you could jam the door with for like 30 bucks. I'm thinking of buying that and sending that to her. I know her roommates probably think I'm going to be nuts, but, you know, to be able to lock the door at night and get some crazy suite mate, decides to bring her boyfriend over on a Saturday night, and he's hot and horny and she's not, and he decides to venture over to uh, my side of the uh, the, the suite there. That, that's a nice little thing to have for 30 bucks. So uh, that that's my big agenda now, you know, trying to buy stuff like that for her. So,
3: uh, Not to split hairs, but, Scott, I don't know if your daughter's roommate is going to think you're crazy. Uh, she might already be thinking <laughs> you left the reservation, Scott.
1: Maybe. I told her, I said, well, how many? There's uh, two roommates and then three other suite mates, so I got to send uh, five autographed pictures. And she's like, eh, I don't think so, Dad. I said, well, how about some bumper stickers? I'll send you some opposite-pick bumper stickers. How about that? We'll start slow with the girls. So uh, we'll have opposite-pick bumper stickers all over the University of New Haven. They won't know what the fudge is going on.
3: <laughs> Scott, um, really quickly: uh, the other day you were uh, criticizing uh, the reporter the reporter who asked tort, uh, Torturella, as we call him in New York, um, the post-game press conference, you know, he had the, the tough loss, and then the reporter started asking about, I guess you could call it a kumbaya question, about living in the bubble and, you know, a moral victory and that kind of stuff. And uh, Torturella, who I think is a jerk, got up and stormed out, and you criticize the reporter saying it was like the dumbest question ever. But I, I take exception to what you say, uh, about that, Scott. It was a really a devastating loss, a season ending loss, and I think the the uh the reporter threw him a softball question. I think he was not really going hard after uh Torturella and I'm just really surprised that you know, Torturella took such an arrogant attitude And, you know, he turned his nose up at the softball question. I felt the reporter was being nice, but you seem to think that it was um, just sheer stupidity throwing that softball. Uh, I'll hang up. Thanks, Scott.
1: Hi, John. Yeah, that that was the other day. Listen, there's a time and place for everything. And when you're coming off a loss, John, that not only eliminated you from the postseason, but you had a two-goal lead with eight minutes left. It's been a tough series. You know, you blew game one of the series, you know, by blowing a three-goal lead and losing in overtime, you know, one of the games went to the five overtimes that first game, and, and you're just emotionally drained being in this bubble as long as you are, and obviously, you know, Tortorella is not on even keel anyway, and then you throw him a question like, hey, hey, coach, give me a sense of how much fun it was. Well, no, that that's just stupid timing. It, it just is. I get what you're saying as far as throwing a softball question. Hey, listen, you know, I'm not going to grill you how your team choked again, coach, for the second time in this series after choking away a game against Toronto in, uh, you know, the first round. But, you know, do me a favor and tell me how great it's been, you know, being with the guys. You know, that, that's not Tortorella. That That's just – you ask a question like that, uh, throwaway day. You know, the day after when they, you know, close out the locker rooms and uh, you go through the season and you talk about you – know, you reflect on the season and how much fun it was and how this di- was different. You don't do that literally – Five, 10 minutes, literally five, 10 minutes after you get knocked out of the post. You, you just don't. That, that's just uh, to think that Tortorella of all people were going to appease him. Nah, that, that, that's a dumb question. It, it really is. The timing question may not be dumb. He may be trying to do a story about the bubble, this, that, but you just, you just can't ask that question at that point. Richard in West Virginia checks in on this Tuesday. What's up, Richard? How are you this morning, bud? Well, let's see, I got an occupational
4: therapist and a physical therapist coming to see me, finally got them to come over. So okay. I guess i am maybe get some help there. But as far as you were talking about Albert Pujols, and I agree with you when you said it was a ridiculous contract when he went to the Angels and got that ridiculous contract. Oh, the first yeah. thing I thought of when he got what he did and I didn't know, I know, I heard you mention Heimler and Hank Aaron, and I would know that he had 755, yeah, Babe Ruth 714, Hank Aaron 755. What Barry Bonds has, I, I don't really know. But uh, with that seventh, how, how, how close is Albert Hoh- Pohlholz to, to his home run record? How close, how many home runs does Albert Pohlholz have?
1: Uh, let me see. Here. My computer is freezing here. Uh, it's obviously over 500. I'll tell you in a second, uh, Rich, it's, uh, my, my computer well, is five,
4: over 500.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's got over 500 home runs. I would, I would. Oh, uh, uh, well, that's
4: still good. Well, that's not even close to Hank high care 755. No, 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 he's not.
1: No, I, I was thought... just throwing numbers out there that were, uh, symbolic and people know numbers. We all know 714, but. If we don't really know how many RBIs Babe Ruth has, then how do we really know he's got 714? So I was trying to say we all know 714, but in the end, again, if we don't, if we can't verify his RBI total, then how can we verify his home run total? Maybe he's got 715. Maybe he's got 712. Oh, okay. You know, and I mean that—that's why I brought up the 714. Not that we didn't know or that Pujols was close or anything. It's just kind of funny that. Uh, if we don't, like I said, if we don't know Ruth's RBI total officially, then how do we really know all his other stats?
4: Yeah, that's one thing that I like there. I got to talk to Hunter, and he was on some show really? like yours where, the, well, yeah, he was on some show where they take calls for him. I don't know if he right. was a sports baller or what it was, but they call in and they take calls for certain people. And I got to talk to him, and uh, I was happy that I got that. You also talk about the Lakers game, and one thing, there's two things I'm wondering about. That is that who designs the defense for the uh, for the Lakers? Is that the coach, or who puts that in? Because it had to be somebody designing that defense. And I mean, it's just like, do I believe that the Lakers are going to win it all? Yes, not just now. I believed it when. Uh, LeBron went there because I think that's the reason he went there to make them uh, make them a, a dominant factor again, like they used to be, put them up there with the Celtics and to win another championship. I believe that's what he did, and that's why I believe he's the greatest basketball player that ever lived because he can turn a team that just has regular, mediocre type players on there. I think he's almost a coach. I think that he's an inspiration to that team and not right a great player, I think that uh, I just do. It. I just, I, I believe he's the greatest player, that, uh, the greatest basketball player that ever lived.
1: Wow. Uh, every once in a while, uh, uh, Rich, you surprise me because you, you seem like you're old school, which is fine. I, I'm old school. But then you, you go current on us and, and, and say something like that, whereas prototypically, an old school guy would be like, no, 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 he's not as good as Chamberlain or, you know, Havlicek or some of the other, or even Jordan. Um, I don't put him in that category. I just don't. I, I can't put a guy in. See, it's difficult for me because of the Michael Jordan walking away from the game. I, I, I It's hard for me to say Jordan is the greatest of all time because who walks away from the game like Jordan did for a couple of years and walks out on his teammate? Uh, you know, admittedly, if that was uh, LeBron doing that, man, he would have been anybody would just absolutely positively be getting crushed. And and he never really did Jordan. And we don't really, to this day, I don't believe, know the full, full story behind that. So, but, you know, that all said, throw that out the window. I do believe Jordan is, is twice the ball player as LeBron. I do agree with you. I think LeBron and the Lakers are going to win it all. Um, maybe it's a fear factor because I'm rooting against that. But when you start thinking about it, you know, the Clippers, their number one nemesis is having all kind of problems with the Mavs. They might not even beat the Mavericks, believe it or not. When you consider Denver was going to be the number two obstacle, they're on the verge of getting eliminated. You know, in, in the East, you know, forget about Philadelphia. I don't think Toronto's on that level. You know, maybe Boston, but really it's probably the Milwaukee Bucks. And, and I don't think, you know, maybe, maybe it would be Milwaukee. But you really only have two obstacles now. A lot were eliminated, you know, because of this first round stuff that's going on. So it's kind of hard not to make the case for the Lakers to win it all. I I hope we're wrong, John. Uh, A good call there, but I I hope, you know, we're wrong because I don't want LeBron to win. So, um, but at this point, who's going to stop them? Uh, They're a machine. I mean, Utah's not stopping them, right? I mean, you throw Denver out. uh, Portland was supposed to put the fear of God in them, but that's obviously not happening. So, you know, in the East, there really isn't. I mean, I'd love to see the Celtics uh, be able to do it. but are they really on that level? Uh, I don't know. I I think that was probably more an anti-Philadelphia 76er thing than it was a pro-Boston Celtic thing, or at worst, a combination of the two. So it's it's tough. I mean, who's beating LeBron four out of seven? In a season which was supposed to be the most difficult, um, You know, it's it may turn out to be, as I've been saying all along, the easiest for LeBron to get to the NBA Finals. And you're right. That's why they were put together, you know, and, and so it's it may be coming to fruition. In fact, if you go fan FanDuel, you could still almost get nearly three to one odds on the Lakers. I tell you, I'd be all over that, all over that. Um, you better hope the Clippers can beat the Mavs. As much as I'm saying the Mavericks can upset them, Mavericks are not beating the LA Lakers. That I I don't believe they'd be able to do it uh, in, in a Western Conference Finals. I, I don't. Bonds, by the way, 762, uh, Aaron 755, and we all know Babe Ruth 714. I had Pujols with 659, so I knew it was obviously over 500. No, he's not going to reach that, but that was more just a symbolic number, the 714 that's so great that we know about. But really, maybe it's 715. Bagels and bad Beats on a Tuesday. More coming up. story I, I tell you I, I'm shocked I mentioned this in the podcast yesterday so right we've had the tropical storm a blizzard here last week power out uh two weeks ago whatever it was uh for about a week literally I mean just just craziness and it's a summertime so it's not as bad as it would be obviously in a winter time when you'd be freezing your you know what's off uh although we do have a fireplace but still winter time we had that way back when that's that, that's a little difficult you, you deal with the heat you know the refrigerator the food getting thrown out and everything else Buy as many bags of ice as you can. But anyway, I I know I've said this before. I I think it's going to be a brutal winter. I really do. Why wouldn't it be? It's 2020. It's been a disastrous year for yours truly, for everyone else for that matter as well, but my dad dying as well. It's just been a disaster. It's just an absolute waste of a year. So there's no doubt in my mind at all that this winter is going to be a brutal winter, especially since the last two here on Long Island have been pretty calm. So I made the mental commitment of like, you know what? I'm going to get a generator for the house. And if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. I'm not going to get a cheap one. I'm not going to go out there in the middle of winter trying to pull start an engine and hasn't run in a year. I, I want to, I'll spend the five, $7,000 on one of these generators and just flip a switch. Boom. There it is. Put it on a credit card. What the fudge? No big deal. Right? So something happened to me that I, I, I just, I'm, I'm dumbfounded, dumbfounded. I won't name the name of the company. But they ran full page ads, pretty prominent generator company, right? Think of the biggest one, perhaps. I call them up. I say, listen, I'm interested. She gets all my information. She says, you know, it's gonna cost between five and seven thousand, just which is good to let people know, you know, they're not booking an appointment thinking it's gonna be five to seven hundred. I said, No, that's cool. I'm all set, no problem. When can we get this done? She looks up the address and says, uh, we can't. I'm like, well, what do you mean we can't? She says, uh, that we're not taking any more appointments. I said, you're not taking any more appointments? Well, you got a full-page ad in the New York Post. What are you talking about? She says, we're booked up. Well, for what? For, for a week, two weeks, three weeks? Well, uh, give me a call in about a month or so. A month or so? I mean, you talk, you need a new job? Go become a generator salesman. You'll make a fortune. We're coming up, baby. went